been a while. Welcome to the Two C's podcast. Wow, it's been been so long. We don't even know what we do. I forgot what our name was. We don't even know what we do. Podcast. This is Casey. And this is Chrissy, who can't speak. It's As fine. usual. It's fine. Um, sorry, it's been a while. We took, like, a good month off, because... Yeah. Well, I mean, did we take technically take it off? I mean, we're just busy. Yeah, we took it off. We could have made <laughs> ourselves do it. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But, um, Stella's outside whining and bitching and complaining because she wants inside because she oh, doesn't God. know what we're doing. Hmm. What? We haven't done this in like five weeks. Go lay down, please. Um, yeah, so uh, we're back and yes, we have stories back. to tell you. Back again. Uh, we do have new listeners. Uh, Anaheim, California. Yay, welcome. Welcome to Zealand. <laughs> uh, Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. Welcome. Windham, um, or Wyndham. Okay, New gonna, Hampshire. I'm not gonna go welcome after everyone. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this one. It's okay. It's all right. Pays de Lalore, France, Iowa, somewhere in Iowa. Someone's listening. Uh, not enough information. That's why. Somewhere in Iowa. <laughs> so I, somewhere in Iowa. <laughs> Wakefield, Massachusetts, Roanoke, Virginia. Auburn, California. I know I really want to go to Roanoke, but then I also don't want Storm of the Century to happen, right. even though it happened in Maine. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and Western Australia. Welcome. Welcome. And welcome everybody who listens. Yes. Thank you for listening to us and continuing to listen to us, even when we're not here. <laughs> <laughs> even when we take a hiatus. <laughs> I promise the next time it won't be it won't be that long. No. Well, I maybe. <laughs> no, it won't. Maybe. Um so this week I'm going first. This is Casey. Um my sources this week were Wikipedia, TikTok, and Snopes.com, which was an article written by Madison I'm going to butcher this. Dapsevich. And it was published in February 12, 2021. So, let me tell you how I got this story. So, a friend, Starla, from work, um, sent me a TikTok video. Uh, I didn't write down the information. Maybe I did. Yeah, it was a reel by Yada Israel. So, I don't really know how TikTok works. I don't know, like where the original video came from. It was one of those um, watching something with bedhead or something like that. I don't know. Anyways. You're asking your dumb prompters. Yeah. I, don't I know. have no idea about TikTok. Can you I'm, go lay down, I'm please? I'm too old for that. Can you go lay down? Yeah. Thank you. That's helpful. Um, yeah. So, Starlo sent me this video, and it was this, I believe, this person um, watching a another TikTok video of Do You Know the Muffin Man? Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, I don't, and I don't want to know him. So, Do You Know the Muffin Man? 
Them up and man, them hustle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. No, because I had it. Everyone's going to have it stuck in their head if you know what I'm talking about. So the Muffin Man, do you know the Muffin Man, is a traditional nursery rhyme slash children's song. It's of Old English origin, and the man in the rhyme, he either lived on Drury Lane, and in some cases, Jewelry Lane, or there's another one. Um, I didn't write it down, though, because I was like, how many lanes does this man need to live off of? Uh, he may have had the profession as a baked goods delivery man, or he may have been a beggar man looking or asking for muffins. That's the origin of the story. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the, the rhyme was first recorded in 1820 in a, British in a British manuscript. A lot of Victorian households had many of their fresh foods delivered, such as muffins, and they were delivered to the houses by the muffin man. So, it seems the rhyme slash game had spread to the other countries in the mid-19th century, particularly the U.S. and the ne Netherlands. And the game is known as a forfeit game, a guessing game, or a dancing ring. And I think, I think how we learned it was just, do you know the Muffet Man? Like, just singing it. Yeah, it was just I don't like think it was a game by the time the 70s slash 80s rolled around. So the TikTok video that is showing this to or that this person is watching, um, the video suggests that the Muffin Man that you grew up knowing was actually a killer luring children in with muffins, so he can snatch them off the streets and kill them. So this particular video says that in 1800s, Frederick Thomas Linwood um, would lie in wait in alleyways and lure children in with muffins, so the people made a nursery rhyme to teach kids to be aware of the Muffin Man from Drury Lane. That's wonderful. Just an FYI, Snopes.com says, yeah, um, it's unproven. So... The original TikTok video was posted on January 16th, 2021 by self-described CEO of history, Jack Williamson. And he claimed the song was originated as a warning to children. So Snopes found no records um, documenting murders committed by a man of that name or that he even existed. There's a picture of him. Um... I don't feel like sharing it because if it's not documented that that's who that is, then you're just taking a random picture of someone from the 1800s and calling it good. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Williamson did not cite his sources and Snopes couldn't find like any legitimate results so that's why they rated the claim unproven i feel like that's like if you did that that would be like the salem witch trials yeah you're like condemning someone who has never been proven to no and they don't know if that's him right that's what i mean yeah <laughs> so, and i would hate for one of his ancestors to be like that's 
Fred Smith. You know, I mean, it's just, I don't need that. So, um, Snope says that the account Williamson gave, um, was based on an entry from Encyclopedia, a parody version of Wikipedia. Now, I know that everything I read on Wikipedia is not 100% true. Well, the problem is, is that anyone can update (laughs) Wikipedia. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, let's... A, let's not believe everything that we see or read. Um, That's easier said than done for some people. I know. I'm sorry, that wasn't very nice. I know. But um, we need to make sure we do, like... Due diligence? That's the word I was looking for. First off... Two words. Charlotte's gonna freak out because... Our old boss used to say due diligence all the time, and she's like, ah, I hate that word. I hate that phrase. So, Starla. No, who? Oh, Kim. Oh, really? Yeah, because she would constantly be like, you need to do your due diligence before you. Well. Which is true. Case in point. Which is true. So, um, anyways. <laughs> do Do you know the Muffin Man? I is do not know the Muffin Man. Is not proven. Okay. My favorite, though, was, like, they were illustrating that a man with a muffin on the end of, like, a stick and a um, a piece of twine. Like, the muffin was being held by the twine, and he was just dangling it for the kids to, like, <laughs> I was like, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> I mean, all- don't get me wrong. People have, like said hey i've got candy in my car do you want do you want some i get that but i just feel like muffins like maybe we should have i don't know but i mean if they're those double chocolate ones from costco <laughs> i can maybe understand chrissy's it. weakness okay so other so other nursery rhymes because i was like wait i know there's nursery rhymes out there about morbid shit Oh, of course. So other well, that's nursery rhymes. get started. Yeah. So Ring Around the Rosie. It's actually about the plague. Um, they used to carry posies in their pocket to mask the smell of sickness. And I just find that really disgusting. <laughs> well, but I get it. Too. It is sad. And then London Bridge is falling down. It's actually about the dilapidation of London Bridge and the attempts to repair it. Um, there was a couple of other things about London Bridge, like, it wasn't actually, I don't know, like, people were trying to, like, no, what am I trying to say? Because I didn't write it down, guys. That's my problem. Um, that, like, during wars and stuff, that people were trying to, like, bomb it so it'd be no more. So that was another thing that they suggested that the um the nursery rhyme was about. Interesting. But so let's learn from this. If you can't Google Snoops.com or Snopes.com. Not even that. Like <laughs> you don't even have to Google Google's. You don't even have to look on Snoops.com. Like, if you're going to be spreading stuff and sending stuff to well, people... and I'm not saying that Starla was spreading this. I'm no, ju- no, no, because but I'm not... I just mean, like... Yeah, like, all general. over. Like, when people it w- post stuff on Facebook all the time that isn't true. Yeah. So, just... um, I'm... I'm... 
not saying that Stryless read this. She sent it to me and I was like, oh, you know, maybe we should do something about this. It's interesting and, anyway. Yeah. So. And so she was all for it. Um, But no, just if something doesn't seem right or it's like a little far-fetched. Um, look so, into it. Look into it. Or if you don't want to look into it, send it our way. And we'll try to look into it. Right? <laughs> It'll give us suggestions. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so we're not going to take a break yet. We'll only eat until it gets. Okay. Um, so I did mine on the murder of Jerry Michael Williams. Um, my sources were Wikipedia and Tallahassee. Tallahassee.com. Where's Tallahassee? Because it didn't say. I was gonna look it up and I forgot. I, I'm. I think I know. I think it's Tennessee. I think so too. <laughs> but I didn't want to say that just in case I was wrong. Guys, please don't. I know people please are don't yelling judge. right now. Please I know don't judge. We live on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> We've never been to Tennessee. Nope, it's Alabama. Oh shit. Nope, Florida. No, it's not. Tallahassee, Florida. Oh shit. Guess what? That sounds familiar. <laughs> I bet there's I'm, lots of Tallahassee's. I don't know. I should have looked up where <clears throat> exactly it was from. But I'll stick it on Sorry, Jerry. Facebook. Um, well, actually, hold on, because I can look up where he actually was from. I should have done this before. I'm sorry, guys. We're really out of touch with reality. <laughs> We've been sitting at home doing nothing for the last Whoa, five weeks. Whoa, I've been doing stuff. I mean, we've been doing stuff, but technically we haven't been, like, busy going out and doing stuff. <laughs> we don't go out anyway. No, that's what I mean. Um, North Carolina, I think? No, because now, so the town he's from, there is also one in Florida. Okay. I don't, I'm confused. He's from Brad... Bradfordville, which is just outside of Tallahassee. There's a Tallahassee in North Carolina, and there's a Tallahassee in Florida. Okay. There is also a Bradfordville in Florida and North Carolina. Huh. I'm just going to say he's from Florida. That's what we're going with today. I Sorry, pray. Jerry's family. <laughs> right? And I would have just read a little bit further down. <laughs> I would have saw that he went to Florida State University. Yep. Sorry about the Tennessee comment. I'm real special. <laughs> real special. I apologize to everyone from Florida and North Carolina. And Tennessee. <laughs> and Tennessee. Okay, so I did mine on the murder of Jerry Michael Williams. and But he went by Mike for short. Oh, sorry Mike. Um, so, Jerry Michael Williams was known as Mike or Michael. Uh, he grew up in Brad Bradfordville, just north of Tallahassee. Uh, he was the son of a Greyhound bus driver. His dad was a Greyhound bus driver, and his mom was a daycare provider. Um, he also had an older brother named Nick, and they all lived in a double-wide trailer. Um, instead of building a house, the parents saved their money, so both boys, <clears throat> um, who also helped work nights at supermarkets, 
could attend North Florida Christian High School, so they helped pay for their private school. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Mike excelled going to school there. Um, he served as student council president. Uh, he played football, and he was also active in Key Club. I'm not sure what Key Club is, though. I don't. I've heard of it, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, at the age of 15, he began duck hunting as a hobby. Um, and then he also met fellow student Denise Merrill. After North Florida Christian, he attended Florida State University, where he majored in political science and urban planning. I also took political science classes, so I feel a bond with him. Not really, but that's okay. Uh, Before graduation, he was hired by Ketchum Appraisal Group as a property appraiser, appraiser. He distinguished himself as a hardworking man, the hardest working man, according to the company's owner. So he would always say, I'm the hardest working man. Uh, after he, he ended up marrying Merrill in 1994, so the Denise Merrill that he met in yeah. high school. Uh, he would often go home for dinner and return to work after she... Would feed him? Oh, no. After she and later his daughter would go to bed. Oh, I was okay. like, that didn't... That sounds weird. I just didn't read far enough. Uh, sometimes he would go into work before um, going duck hunting in the morning. And then after he was done duck hunting, he would go back to work. According to his mother, Mike was making, um, at the time, about $200,000 annually. Nice. Yeah. Um, by the time he disappeared. He and Denise had bought a house in a small upscale subdivision on the east side of the city. In 1999, Williams, or Mike, sorry, Mike and, um, and Denise's only child, they only had one child, a daughter, was born. Um, his co-workers said that he was, um, devoted to his daughter when, like, while he was working or whatever, so, like, anytime she needed anything, there was any problems, he would leave work and then go take care of whatever and then come back to work after everything got settled or whatever, which is what he did anyways when he went home and had dinner with them and then yeah. went back to work, so, which is awesome. The following year, um, Mike's dad had passed, Mike's dad passed away, so the following year after 1999, so 2000. Uh, midway through the year, the couple bought a $1 million life insurance policy on Mike um, through a man named Brian Winchester, who was a childhood acquaintance of um, Denise's. And also had become best friends with Mike. Later that year, Denise told his mother, oh, sorry, Mike told his mother, um, who he had been consoling, that he would have liked to have 50000 to take, what? He would have liked to have had $50,000, <laughs> yes, to take off the year, two days before he disappeared. Um, Mike and Denise told his mother also that his brother Nick and his brother Nick that they were planning to have another child soon before he disappeared, right before he disappeared. In 2001, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 
they were planning to go on a cruise to Hawaii. Um, but later that, and also later that year, um, to travel to Jamaica, um, he was going to have to go for work. So, and I believe that she and, um, their daughter were going to go with him. So according to Denise, on the morning of December 16th, 2000, which was a Saturday, her husband woke up early, leaving the house on Centennial Oaks Circle, um, well before it was light out. So it was one of the days that he was going to go um, hunting before he went into work. Uh, he left with the boat and um, went to Lake Sim I'm going to say it's Simnoli. I apologize if that's not how it's pronounced, but I'm not positive. The lake is a large reservoir, approximately 500, um, 550 miles west northwest of um, Tallahassee, located in the southwestern corner of Georgia, along its border with Florida, where three other streams merge to form the, how do you say that word? Apalachicola River. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> the couple had plans to celebrate their sixth wedding anniversary later that night. Um, at noon, Denise called her father to tell him that Mike had not returned. Oh, so he wasn't going to work. I'm sorry. I apologize. He usually went to work after he went duck hunting, so I thought that's what he was doing. Um. So, Denise called her father to tell him that Mike had not returned. And then Brian, which is the guy that sold um, them Mike's life insurance policy. Yeah. And um, his father, Mike's father, drove um, to Winchester, to the Winchester area of the... What? <laughs> oh, sorry. Brian's last name was Winchester. Drove with Brian to the area of the lake where they knew um, Mike frequently went duck hunting. I apologize. They found his 1994 Ford Bronco near a remote boat launch in Jackson County on the Florida side. After investigators with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, which I'm just going to say FFWCC because that's going to be way easier than saying it every time it comes up. Um, were called and a search began of the um, like surrounding area and the lake. Uh, except for soon a storm blew in so they had to um, stop the initial search at first. Okay, so the initial search of the investigation was handled by the FFWCC since it since it had been reported to them as a missing hunter, that the agency handled the case that way, as him just being missing and he was hunting. Got it. Focusing on searching um, for, for search and rescue instead of recovery. Because they thought that he was out hunting and not actually in the water at first. Got it. Okay. We didn't have a whole lot to go on, except that there was an empty boat and the guy didn't show up. One of the agency's officers recalled later, after his re recalled later after his retirement, there was nothing there that we had f from the scene that suggested foul play at all. 
Deputies with the Jackson County Sheriff's Office also were present, but primarily worked in the support capacity with FFWCC because they didn't think that anything... They didn't think it was foul play. Right. They, they didn't think was... there was anything wrong. They thought either he got lost or he was missing or, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, the searchers focused on a 10-mile, um, or 10-mile, 10, 10 acres of the lake surrounding the cove where um, Mike's truck was parked. His boat was so- soon found roughly 225 feet from the ramp by a helicopter pilot who initially assumed it was a boat being used in the search. After retrieving the boat, investigators found William's shotgun still in its case inside the boat, but no sign of Mike himself. The cove is located is locally believed to have been an an orchard before Oh, so there's lots of branches yeah. and trees yeah. under the water. Um it took its name Stumpfield, obviously, because it was an orchard before. Yeah. Um, so searchers assumed that Williams had hit a stump after they found his boat. They thought that he had hit a stump with his boat and then fallen fell out, sunk into the water, which was 8 to 12 feet deep in some places, um, and that his waders had filled, and then he had drowned when they were unable to find him. So they just figured he couldn't ex- extract himself from his um, waders. Had Mike drowned, his body would have been expected to eventually float to the surface, making it easier to discover. Investigators, investigators assured Denise, or well, Mike's family, that his body would surface like other drowning victims within three to seven days, or perhaps slightly longer due to the cold front. Because they had the storm. <laughs> Dog is crazy. Um, but Mike's body was never recovered from the fl- from the lake, so he never floated back up. You so- know what else we could have done? And maybe I'm wrong about this. We could have actually, I don't know, say, uh, what do you call that? Um, die died for him? Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean. But I'm. <laughs> and they might have. It just wasn't in. Yeah. The two things that I. Also, like, I don't know. They might not have had divers. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. It was no early comment. 2000s. No comment. So you never know. <clears throat> Um, okay, so 10 days into the search, a cam- camouflage pattern hunting hat was found, but it could not be connected to Mike, so they didn't know for sure whether or not it was his. Uh, efforts continued until the search was called off in early February. Um, it has since been suggested that the search might have been continued had Denise indicated an interest in it continuing. Oh. Okay. At that time, <laughs> the case was still considered open, though. Nothing in the investigative or search and rescue efforts has produced any def- definitive evidence of a boating accident or a fatality of th- as of the state. Read the final report that was issued late February 
2001. If Mike had drowned after accidentally falling out of the boat, his body would be the only one of 80 known deaths in the lake never to have been found. The head of a private search firm that supplemented official or official efforts near the end of the search offered a possible explanation. With the wildlife around, I would guess that the alligators had dis dismembered and had stored the remains in locations that would <clears throat> excuse me would not be able to be to be found. Um, he put in one of the reports. Each early searchers had reported seeing many of them, and some of the officials were, I'm assuming they meant many alligators. Okay. <laughs> they didn't necessarily say that, but I'm assuming that if they had found body parts, they would have grabbed them. So I'm assuming they meant alligators, even though that's not what okay. they didn't say. Uh Okay, so, and some of the officials were willing to accept the possibility. Everyone knows the lake is full of alligators, said the FFWCC's David Arnett. You look for other answers. Why hasn't the body appeared? It was suggested that perhaps Mike's body had become entangled in the beds of dense hydrilla beneath the lake surface, and then found by the alligators later, with turtles and catfish fishing, <coughs> finishing, excuse me, what they had left behind. Denise, who had avoided media attention during the search for her husband, accepted that her husband had died. She arranged for a memorial service for Mike to be held the day after the search ended. <coughs> excuse me, I need a drink. Uh, in June, an angler in the Stumpfield area discovered a pair of waders floating in the lake. And divers called to search. Divers were called to search the area, then recovered from the lake bottom of a lightweight <clears throat> hunting jacket and a flashlight. In one of the jacket pockets, there was a hunting license with Mike's name and signature. However, there were no teeth marks or any other damage on the waders. None of their covered, none of the recovered items showed signs of having been in the water for anything like the period Mike had been missing. And there was no DNA evidence found to link the clothing to him. Nonetheless, a week later, a Leon County judge granted Denise Williams' petition to have Mike declared legally dead on the basis of those recovered items and an assumption that alligators and other water life had consumed the body in its entirety. The court decision allowed Denise Williams to immediately proceed with claims on, her hus on Mike's life insurance policies, from which she received $1.5 million. Five years later, she married Brian Winchester. Well, I mean, she was grieving, and he was helping her. Who had sold Mike some of the policies a few months before he disappeared. The couple went on to live in the same house where Denise and Mike had lived before he disappeared. Denise and Brian have mostly declined 
any um, interviews with media or to discuss the case with anyone publicly. The private search team that came up with the alligator theory had been hired near the end of the original search by um, Denise's mother, or no, sorry, Mike's mother. I hate that they have the same last name, so I get yeah. confused. By Mike's mother, Cheryl. After it ended and after her son was declared legally de- dead, proceedings, she said in 2008, she would have contested had she been aware of them. She was still not convinced that he had drowned in the lake, but her attempts to bring about a further investigation were unsuccessful. She has stated that she received threats to, to discourage her. For the next several years, she investigated on her own when not operating a daycare out of her home, or when she wasn't operating her daycare. She ran advertisements in local newspapers and put up billboards seeking information. All the investigations of the case have resulted from her efforts. So any um, information that they've had has been from just her. her. Yes. She believed her son might still be alive. I got criticized a lot for not admitting that Mike, Mike died. She told the Tallahassee Democrat in 2007, All I know is I can't stop looking for him until I find him. Her efforts had severely strained her relationship with her former daughter-in-law, Denise. In 2004, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement agreed to reopen the case after lobbying by Cheryl Williams and a friend. It does not normally have jurisdiction jurisdiction in missing person cases and cannot get involved in the investigation purely purely on the basis of a citizen's request, although it can offer assistance to local agencies as it did in this case. In retrospect, many officers agreed with her that the circumstances surrounding Mike's apparent drowning four years before were unusual and were strongly at odds with that conclusion. The boat launch, where his Bronco was found, which he would presumably have used to put his boat in the lake, was an undeveloped patch of mud. Yet, nearby were finished concrete launches that he was known to have used in the past. Weird. Right? The night that the, the, night the storm, after he was reported missing, had... um. Winds that should have blown the abandoned boat across the lake to the Georgia side, which it hadn't. It was still on the um, the Florida the side. The Florida side. When the boat was recovered, its engine was off, yet the gas tank was full. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. According to <clears throat> um a representative of the manufacturing if the engine had been running when when Mike allegedly fell out of the boat as investigators had come up with a conclusion it should have stayed on when the boat was running in circles until its fuel was gone something sounds fishy on this deal the representative said when the situation was described to him investigators also learned that Mike didn't usually hunt alone 
Some things looked unusual right off the bat, said the FFWCC's Arnett, who had initially um, been the one that came up with the situation that um, he was missing. Or he's the one that had first investigated after the missing persons. Got it. Because the police couldn't get involved because they thought it was just he was missing. So it was yeah. the wildlife, whatever, that had to investigate first. Um. And then after a couple, three days, and after the weeks went on, those first things looked even more out of place because his body was never found. Doubts that Mike had drowned became much more serious when investigators learned that, in fact, alligators did not generally feed during the winter months during, due to the cold, colder um, temperatures. During the search period, daytime temperatures averaged around 55 um, Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit, or degrees, I can just say degrees, but Fahrenheit for anyone that does Celsius, because it's not Celsius. 55 degrees with overnight lows below freezing. Some nights got as cold as 19 degrees. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then they had to build a fire um, in like a 55 gallon drum on the shore for the searchers to help them stay warm because it was so cold while they were searching. I'm sure. Right? The water already at 58 degrees the day of Mike's disappearance dropped to 46 degrees. And the lake iced over it from out to 20 feet. So, like, from the um, shore Got out it. to 20 feet, iced over. The rest of it wasn't frozen, but, like, out yeah. to 20 feet did freeze. In those conditions, it's highly unlikely any alligator would have been active, said Matt Oresco, a local... Herpetologist. I don't know. I'm Shout gonna, out to those herpetologists. I'm going to assume that it has to do with um, alligators. I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> and if know. it doesn't, cause... no, it has to because all of the information about alligators came from him. So okay. it has to be. Okay. I just have never heard that before. Um, all they are doing is maintaining their body temperature. At that time, so they're not moving. Cause they don't I wanna... think they, like, hibernate. I'm sure they do. I'm sure it's like bears. During the winter, they hibernate, and they yeah. don't come out until it warms up. But I don't want to know. <laughs> right? I don't. 50, 58 degrees is too cold for an alligator to be interested in any food at all. And even if the alligator had defied all known gator behavior, said, um, er, and eaten Mike's body, and... As another investigator, Ronnie Austin, then with the state's attorney office put it, it would have been unlikely, it would have likely have left something behind because they wouldn't have ate the whole body. Because yeah, because they're, they're not hungry. Right. right. Mike was five to five, five feet, 10 inches and 170 pounds. Oresco considers any theory that actually, Attributed. Thank you. Well, it's attributes the missing body to alligators and any other aquatic animals as a stretch. It would be very, very unusual to have the complete disappearance of a full-grown man during the winter. 
The waiters discovered almost six months after Mike's disappearance further undermined the alligator theory. While the diver who retrieved them reported that they were in an area of disturbed weeds, <coughs> excuse me, with alligator excrement poop, alligator poop nearby. <laughs> <laughs> consistent with the original belief that Mike had drowned while wearing them. He allowed it he allowed it was anyone's guess as to whether they had had been later planted in that spot. These waiters, we don't know where they they came from, Austin said. Investigators Suspicions were further raised by the waiter's condition, undamaged without any tooth marks and lacking any of the residue that would be expected to accumulate on an object submerged in a lake for that long of a period. In fact, I believe that we did a story one time, like when we first started, about the one kid that disappeared that was at the party that was walking through the woods. Yeah. And they ended up finding his body in the pond or whatever. But then, like, he had been in there supposedly for so long. But when they found his body, it didn't have the right um, allergy and stuff on it. Got it. Like he had been held somewhere and And, and then later put in the, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Uh, Arnett filtered... The water, um, after they were were recovered and did not find any human remains. The hunting jacket and flashlight were likewise in much better condition than expected, with the later even working, I'm assuming the flashlight, when turned on. Apart from the condition, which seems very unlikely, if it had been underneath the water for that long, well, the batteries would have been rusted. Right. The flashlight would not have worked. Um, apart from the condition of the waiters, was, um, was the question of why Mike would have been wearing them when he supposedly fell out of the boat. According to a friend who hunted with him frequently, including one week before he had disappeared, Mike took safety very seriously, keeping his gun at work away from his daughter, um, among other precautions. On the water, he never put his waders on until he had reached the point where he planned to get out and start hunting, following a common safety procedure in order to avoid any type of accident from which he was later believed to have died. As much as he preached that to me, the friend said, why would he be wearing his waders while driving the boat? It doesn't make any sense. My gut feeling is Mike did not die in Lake Seminole. Seminole? I can't say it. <laughs> um, Austin said in 2006, after leaving the state's attorney office for the FDLE, he added that that belief was shared by all investigators at that point. So nobody believed anymore that he had died in the lake and that the alligators have ate, had ate him. So nobody believed that anymore. By 2006. Okay. I would say this is a very suspicious missing person. However, 
The new investigation was made extremely difficult by the deficiencies of the original search when criminal activity had not been considered. They did not protect the crime scene at all, recalled a, a Williams, well, Mike's family member, um, with law enforcement experience. So a family member of Mike's who had law enforcement Oh, experience. experience. Notice this. Notice that they did not protect the crime scene at all. They botched it. By the time investigators began to realize that they should have asked some more questions, the opportunity was gone. Mike's Bronco and the boat had been returned to his family and friends. The footsteps of the many um, volunteers and searchers all over the lakeshore had made it impossible to collect any evidence from that area, and the items later recovered from the lake had been had not been re, re, had not been retained, so they must have given those back too. Without any of that evidence or Williams' body, it is impossible for police to make a case. We're at a brick wall, counting our heads against it. Derek Wester, an investigator with the Jackson County Sheriff's Office, agreed that they were trying to make make up for it. Not having considered the possibility that things might not have been what they seemed in 2000. His office kept the case open and had some persons of interest, although he did not identify them. The FDLE closed its case, convinced that the alligator theory was wrong. So now everything is now turned over to the police department as a missing person. Yes. As a suspicious missing person. Instead of him being dead and um, uh, drowning or whatever. Mm-hmm. By 2006, its cold case investigators were no longer returning Cheryl, Cheryl Williams' phone calls. So The sister. No, the mom. The mom. Sorry. The mom. That actually got the case reopened that they got any information about anything well that's because they had no information because they didn't look at it as a crime well i mean i'm not I'm saying gonna that keep my mouth shut i'll just continue uh she continued to do what she could do to publicize the case taking out ads still in the um tallahassee Dem- democrat which is a newspaper i don't know if i said that yeah or not, but you did newspaper okay as possible new leads emerged in October 2007 when Michael Williams' older brother found a photograph and a serial number of a 22 caliber Ruger pistol that had once belonged to their father. Mike had inherited it after his father's death, and after Mike was declared legally dead, it was the only one of his firearms that Denise had not returned to her former in-laws. After Jackson County Sheriff Investigator excuse me, Wester asked the Federal Bureau of of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, so the ATF, to look for it. Agents visited Denise and Brian Winchester, who are now married, which I already said, in their house, which also is the same house that she lived in with Michael, to interview them. Several days later, their attorney delivered the gun to the FDLE. It was sent to a state forensics laboratory for DNA testing, and the results have never been reported. On the anniversary of Mike's disappearance that e- that same year that they talked to Denise and Brian to get the gun, um, the Winchesters made one of their 
few public statements on the case. For seven years, we have prayed and hoped to find out what cer with certainty what happened to Mike, Brian said in an email to the Democrat. And nobody wants Mike found more than we do. Rumors were circulating around Tallahassee that a grand, grand jury had been here. Grand jury hearing had been, um, what do you call it? When they call a grand jury? Mm -hmm. That's I, basically. Okay. Um, to hear evidence and would soon um, hand down indictments. In 2008, the Florida Department of Financial Services Division of Insurance Fraud, the DIF, in conjunction with the FDLE, began investigating the case as well. Normally, under Florida law, the statute of limitations on that on a crime is for five years, meaning it would have expired in 2005, but it can be extended by three years under certain circumstances. So, if they believe that he was murdered instead of um, drowning, or it's very suspicious that he disappeared and they can't find him, then they can still, um, they can uh, still investigate and press charges. For fraud, for the insurance? I Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what I figured. Yes. Okay. So, um... The circumstances surrounding this case raise many serious and troubling questions, said DIF lead attorney Mark Schlein. Perry, the FFWCC officer who had been heavily involved in the original search, added at the time that if he or any other person investigating had known that there was a large life insurance policy on Mike and who the beneficiary was, that search might have been handled differently. My question is, why didn't you check that? Like, that's one of the first things that you should be checking. It's kind of insane that out of all of, all of the many, many, many cases, that this is the first one that they didn't look at the spouse first off. Right. But anyways, go ahead. Okay. So by the eighth anniversary of Mike's disappearance. Um, oh, wait. I skipped some. Oh, we didn't take a break. Oh, yeah, we did. We did? Yeah. There's a place where you can. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get this done in time. Uh, let's see. Okay. It was noted that Denise's court petition to have her husband declared legally dead mentioned only the Kansas City Life Insurance Company policies that Brian had sold him, omitting the policies through other companies that Mike had obtained through other, re other sources. However, Brian Jones, an expert, expert in insurance um, law at Florida State University told the Democrat that any fraud case would have to rest on more than just those facts already known to have aroused investigation investigative interest. The mere fact that they can't locate the body isn't necessarily something the insurance industry would care about, he said. But if Mike Williams was to be proven dead and the beneficiaries 
were to have shown to have been involved or he was still alive, as his mother and many residents of Jackson County believe is possible, then an insurance company would strongly consider pursuing a fraud case against whoever. Yeah. Like, if whoever he was, was still involved. alive, they would prosecute him, probably. But if you had died, then they would prosecute the wife if um, she was involved. Yes. Okay. By the eighth anniversary of Mike's disappearance, however, the DIF had closed the case. Our job was extremely difficult, and we were simply unable to develop enough evidence to proceed with the investigation. We have suspicious suspicions, but but what we need is evidence. Another possible lead that year proved fruitless as well. Carrie Cox, a self-described psychic and certified forensic psychologist, psych- psychological profiler from Kennedy. Jesus, I can't <laughs> speak. I'm trying to go fast so we don't run out of time. From Kentucky... <laughs> reviewing the case had identified a possible location of William's body. She gave investigators the coordinates of a location in Wakula County near another boat launch. Cadaver dogs were brought to the area and sniffed it out but found nothing. Cox nonetheless concluded that we are moving in the right direction. I think something is there. FDLE <laughs> officials said in 2011 that Cox had not found anything requiring further investigation. So do we want to stop here and then we'll just start another one? Because I still have like... Yeah, stay tuned. Okay. We'll be back <laughs> right after that. 